All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Today we are joined by a friend of the show, Orion Galaxy Kosi. Orion, welcome back. How's it going? It's good to be back on. It is really nice having you on the show somewhat regularly. Uh, had you on first right before your Dana White Contender Series fight in August and then back on just after your big win and getting that contract. Now, there's been a few big things even bigger than that because you got married. So congratulations to you and your bride. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was huge. It was awesome. It was, uh, everyone tells you you ain't going to cry, and then all of a sudden you have a couple of tears because it just how damn you. There she is. Hey, bud. But let's see. Yeah, no, it was awesome. You know, the honeymoon was great. There was a tropical storm and that yeah. pulled in. That pulled a hurricane towards us. And yeah, I've already told her after this fight, I'll take her on another honeymoon. Hopefully, like, you know, Switzerland and Italy open up. I want to take her to Europe. Oh, wow. You'd prefer Europe over like the tropical beach paradise? Well, I prefer all sorts of seasons and times. But uh, for me, it was more so. I want to go enjoy the, you know, the snow. I want to go enjoy the Alps um, oh, okay. and enjoy Europe, you know, at least once during the winter slash fall. And then again, during the spring, summer, I, you know, I'm going to use, I fight because I like to travel. Oh, that's wonderful. That, that's good to know that that's a future plan for you once Europe is off their COVID lockdown. So, um, yeah. yeah, obviously. And uh, you, you had Lewis, um, there for your wedding. What was it like? Um, obviously, your wedding day is the best day of your life, clearly. Um, did it mean anything to you to the fact that you guys are both sitting in a position on your wedding day, both being signed UFC fighters in the sense that it wasn't like one of you got in, one of you didn't? Or is that all out of your mind because it was your wedding day? Uh, yeah, it, was, it was one of those things where we we're just joking around about all of it. He's like, you know, there's still time, bro. The car's in the back. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, it, it was just more so like I told him, like, I want them to make some jokes. That way I'm, like, keeping calm. Because I told myself, I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get nervous. But then I'm up there, and I'm like, fighting's easy. But, like, that waiting, waiting for your bride, and then you see your bride with her dad walking out, and then her dad was crying. So I was like, this Fuck, don't cry. And then I was like, say something funny, Lewis. He's all the car's in the back. There <laughs> it is. Well, good. Good that uh, Lewis came through with the joke. Yeah, but I couldn't help it, man. I, you know, I took her hand and all of a sudden the tears start flowing. I was like, motherfucker. I was like, don't fucking cry. <laughs> so I'm crying. She's crying. Everyone's crying. And it's a beautiful moment, man. Uh, I think about it every day and it's just, yeah, that wedding was something special. And I definitely don't want to have to do another one. So luckily, this. You're, you're good to go um well right before we started the interview you said that you and your new bride had actually just been training together and that you don't do the exact same workout but you're doing a workout uh with her and you know you put her through a workout what's it like training her is that something you've done for years now uh you know i've been training people for years so it's one of those things where i'm just used to training people and it, it's a uh, it's it's no exception you know um, before her and I were even together, uh, I was one of her coaches and then I quit being her coach for a while. 
because she went on travel and stuff like that. And we were just friends. Um, and we never thought anything like that. You know, when it comes to like coaching people, I'm strictly professional. And then I quit coaching her and it was later on in some, you know, like later on in like September that I was like, Hey, you know, like let's go on a date because I was like, I'm not training her anymore. Yeah. She's not in classes. So whatever. And then that led to us uh, getting to know each other more and more. And yeah, eventually she came up to my fight and, uh, you know, she came to a couple of my fights, mm. but she came up in January when I fought Wally Wester up in Humboldt County. And uh, that that's when I knew I walked out of the cage and walked up straight to her, gave her a kid. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. And I was like, I've never done that for anyone. So <laughs> my brother, here is like, you've never done that for anyone. And I was like, I know like, what the hell's going on with me. <laughs> Well, you already answered the question, were you more nervous at your wedding day or in a, a UFC fight? You've already answered that question, that you had more nerves getting married than fighting. Um, so that's good to know. Yeah, getting married is a huge commitment, but it's, it's a yeah. great commitment to have, especially, oh, when yeah. but especially when you know like if they're the one. Like you just you kind of just know. And I've had people be like, so how how'd you know? And I'm like... She's my Chi-Chi. And they're like, what the fuck's that mean? I'm like, I want to slap you because you don't know Dragon Ball Z. But at the same time, I get it. <laughs> it's like you're not a man of culture, and that's okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you have your 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 tattoo is a Dragon Ball Z, right? Yep. So yeah. the general Dragon Ball Z, I got another Dragon Ball Z quote on my chest. I'm going to add more after this fight, depending on, sure. you know, I, I want the fast knockout. That's what I'm looking for this time, that last fight. Uh, it, it went three rounds. I felt like I made some mistakes in that first round, but I worked on those mistakes. I capitalized on those in training. I'm actually, you know, doing a lot better in my training camp this time. And I'm not saying like my last training camp was bad. What I'm saying was, you know, I just made some errors in the first fight where I was just so busy trying to fucking pressure forward mm. that he, Matt Dixon did a really good job in that first round getting those takedowns. Um, but as we saw in the second and the third round, once I was like, you know what, I'm just going to sit on my punches. I'm not going to overexpose when I do overexpose it's to lead into a clinch and like be dirty with the knees and the elbows, be mean with everything going into the next fight first round. So if anyone wants to put money down, expect a first round finish. I'm not going to say whether it's a KO or, or a sub, it's going to be one or the other, but mm -hmm. I think I'm going to finish this fight in the first round. Well, since we're talking about the fight, you're fighting a, a pretty tough guy out of Denmark, uh, which is interesting that he can get here from Denmark, although maybe he's training in the States, Nicholas Dobby. Um, and you already gave your prediction. I looked it up, and you're fighting on UFC 255, which I'll ask about because that's going to be a heck of a card. But you're fighting in the, in the UFC Annex, which is where the Dana White contender series is do you give any credit to that that you're going to be kind of more a little bit more comfortable because it's not going to be a new environment new sort of situation for you like it was last time i mean with fans without fans i don't give a shit just get me in that cage and get me fighting i mean obviously i'm not going to be like you know a couple of the older guys that have fought around the uh, circuit for a while and been like i don't care about the money i just want to fight obviously i care about the money mm -hmm. But, you know, this, I had people telling me, like, oh, man, that's a tough fight for your first fight on your uh, first contract. And then I just told them, I was like, yeah, but when I go out there and I finish this fight, that's going to help my next contract. They're going to be like, fuck, this Toasty guy is actually fucking badass. Let's give him more money. You know, it's going to give me a chance to renegotiate early on versus, you know, those people who do take maybe three fights, four fights before mm -hmm. they get to restructure their contract. So the, the thing for me is maybe I take one fight with low pay against, you know, a tough opponent, but whatever, I'm going to go out there and,
do what I've done best and that's finish a fight. I don't trust no fucking judges. I said that everywhere I go, you know, my last interview, uh, when I was talking to you guys, I don't trust the judges. None of my fights will ever go to decision. Well, you got, you, you finished Matt Dixon uh, as a jump back to Dana White contender series. You finished him. I think there was under a minute left in the third round. Was it in that range? seconds left at the time of the stoppage they said all right 18 seconds left would be under a minute quite a bit under a minute but you definitely had pressure um when you knew that fight was you know was potentially um uh, expiring and so you definitely fight like a guy that wants to end it because you could have just held that crucifix position and stayed there to the end but clearly getting the finish was what got you the contract and showed the type of fighter you were both you and lewis said that night that you wanted to fight as many times, you know, pretty rapidly in your first year in the UFC because of trying to get off that, um, you know, fight off your Dana White Contender Series contract. Are you allowed to say how many fights is on that first contract? Is that something? Yeah, I think I'm allowed to. If I get in trouble, I don't give a shit. I'm going to keep fighting for them anyway. Um, yeah, it's a four-fight contract Four. for that's typically what it is for a lot of people's first-fight contracts. Um, so it's a four-fight contract. Uh, I can't really go into much more detail after that. No, that's fine. I'm what I'm just... trying is hopefully, you know, get a good win against yeah. the big game. Everyone, and, you know, I've, I've been seeing a lot of people saying, like, hey, this is a good first fight. You know, like, this is how much, like, they believe in Tosi if they're putting against Dolby. Uh, he's been around the game for a while, so all respect to him. But, you know, as I've said before to my all my past opponents, all respect to them. My job is to fucking try to kill them, is to finish them. Uh yeah, and just like Goku, man, I just want to fight the best there is. And Nicholas Dolby, he's supposed to be one of the best there is. And so I'm going to go out there and, you know, try to whoop his ass. I'm not going to try to whoop his ass. I am going to whoop his ass. <laughs> but have fun doing it. You know, there's not going to be any shit talk. He's probably saying the same thing. He's probably thinking he's going to go out there and whoop my ass. So at the end of the day, you know, all I can say is let's still have a fun fight. And whoever gets to finish gets to finish. But I do always see myself winning the fights, you know, mentally preparing myself and the worst positions when I'm at practice, I put myself in bad positions to start working out of those. And I never actually have envisioned myself losing a fight ever. Not once have I ever thought I'm going to lose this fight or there's a possibility I'll lose this fight because that mental simulation training. And a lot of people don't do that as fighters. I've talked to fighters and some of them are like, you don't ever get nervous. I was like, why would I have never envisioned myself losing this fight? They're like, oh man, well, you know, I was thinking about my fight coming up and I was like, man, like what if he does catch me with the right hook? I was like, then he's going to catch you with the right hook. Cause you think like a punk, like he's, you're, you're going to let that guy fucking punk you mentally right now. He's going to punk you in the cage. But when I think about my fights, I'm always thinking about if I do get hurt, how I can capitalize and turn it back into my fight, you know? Um, yeah. Because that you think about, you can't just always think, positive, positive, positive. You got to think about positivity, turning negative, and then restructuring that back into how to get the fight back under control. So say I hit him with a one-two and he throws a high kick and I get rocked. Now I got to think about, do I need to get the clinch? Do I need to do a snap? Do I need to go for the double leg? What would be the best scenario right there, depending on each and every outcome that can lead back to me regaining control to getting the finish? Um, I remember my fight against Joe Kropschott. It was my fourth pro fight. And it was in San Fran. I remember one position I knew I could not get into was to let him have the back because he had really good jujitsu, especially on the back. And one position I always mentally trained was if he gets the rear naked choke, getting the fuck out of it. And right off the bat, in the uh, beginning of the fight, you know, I, I 
Uh, he ended up having a nice little trip while I was going for a knee. He got on top. I went to buck out. And, Motherfucker had long legs and long arms. Mm. I think it's four or something like that. But he ends up taking the back and going for the rear neck and choke. But because, you know, the whole entire time leading up to the fight, hey, this is how we work out of it. This is the position. If he goes for something else, that's the position. If he wants to do this, we do this. And over and over and over again, I got out, and, you know, ended up retaking the round. And then the second round, dropping him, third round, finishing him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that mental, you know, stimulus training. And I truly do believe in it. And a lot of people are probably thinking like, oh, well, where'd you get that idea? Well, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that shit holds true. And, and sure. it comes different martial arts uh, structure. You know, if you're not able to train for a day because you're injured, say you hurt your elbow, you could be going for a run, though. But say like the running is causing your elbow to have pain. Well, then just do lunges in place. Do something that's not going to... Um, cause you to stop moving but also at the same time watch videos watch technical videos watch drilling videos if you're training at a gym go to the gym anyway have an ice pack on but watch that we can stimulate your mind to be able to react faster and faster and faster to do reaction training do stimulus training i truly believe in that it's worked out so far for me yeah absolutely one thing um that you were talking about with the stimulus training is it really leads to um in-fight, mid-fight adjustments, which is something that we've actually seen. We've actually heard commentators say, oh, they, you know, the fight's not going their way in the first round, and then it just kind of slides downhill from there, as opposed to what you're talking about is knowing how to adjust when a fight isn't going the direction you want it to and steer it back to what's good for you, like you were giving the example from your fourth pro fight. Uh, that exactly happened. We've seen it all too often, particularly on the Dana White Contender Series or guys without less experience where they look frustrated, they kind of give up. We've seen rear naked chokes where the guy will just kind of like, you know, just like lay back and just sort of, oh, crap, I'm screwed, as opposed to fighting what they need to fight and things like that. You've really shown that. Uh, what do you think in your pro career, your 7-0, what do you think so far has been your best uh, change during a corner where obviously your Matt Dixon fight was a good example, but in your seven fights, does one stand out where you came out of a corner with a different mindset, game plan, or adjustment with that stimulus training that really made an impact or are all of them kind of like that? I don't think when I fight, but like in between rounds, I'll talk to my corners. I'll, I'll hear them out and then I'll, I'll talk back and I'll be like, don't worry about it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to wrap this guy. I'm going to hurt him. And they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go hurt him. And I'll just smile. And they'll be like, all right, then just fucking do it. Um, but in between rounds, you know, I, I think it was more so the fight against crop shot. Uh, we kept grappling where I kept hurting him on the stand up, and then I was hurting him on the ground. And, and there was positions where I was going for submissions when I should have just stayed on top and kept hitting him. And so, like, my brother's fucking yelling at me during the middle of the third round. He's all, get the fuck up. Get off him. He's all, fucking hit him. He's all, no more grappling. Fuck that shit. And I'm like, all right, get up. And so we start going, and I finish it on the uh, stand-up. He's all, yo, I was yelling. I was like, no, I heard you finally. Like, I, I heard you, you know. He's all, what, uh, so my corners afterwards are, why, why are we trying to go for triangles? Why are we trying to go for arm bars? I was like, because I thought it was there. They're all, but you were fucking him up with the hands. I was like, again, during the middle of the fight, he went for a different position. So I think, hey, he's hovering up. I'll go for this, but I should have just kept hitting him. And those were the adjustments that I needed to make. Um, but after that, so let's see, like the Wally Wester fight when I um, became six and oh, 
Mm-hmm. That was back in January, and that was just a fun fight overall. There's a couple of positions where we, uh, you know, we're just throwing bombs. He was throwing bombs that I, for me, it was more so just covering up. I'm used to people throwing bombs and throwing heavy, so I just keep my guard up here. And when people throw kicks, I'm still used to that fast switch. I can guard with my elbows. I don't mind. My brother and I will kick the shit out of each other. I mean, I made that video. Fuck, that hurt, too. That hit me right in the solar plus. Yeah. Like, but that's the kind of training you got to do. You got to take that training in the gym because we've all seen it. When I go out into a fight, I don't get hurt. I don't get rocked. Uh, you know, I, I'm fine. And I go out there and I'll just keep hitting people. And when I hit people, people have said like, oh, this guy's bigger. He's going to pressure Ryan back or Ryan's going to have to figure out what to do. But that's not the case in any of my fights. I I got that downriver strength is what I call it. We grew up in the woods, you know, cutting trees and rock climbing, swimming all the time, running in the sand, wrestling around in the water. And it worked out for us. We, we just, we're a different breed. You know, growing up poor, you got to figure out the things to do, like climbing trees and hunting animals and stuff like that but all all that so far has worked out and made it to where you know i you got that different style of pressure and that style of power and even if someone's like bigger we've seen that in my fights you know people with longer reach or people that are taller i don't care i i fought people who are 185 pounders and did a catch weight with them and same thing pressure 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 that's because of my wrestling style my whole entire life. My style was to never back up. It's to never back, you know, pretty much to never give up any pursuit. If you start backing up, that lets them pressure you. If they're starting to pressure forward, you got to either turn the corner to pressure back or they're going to take control. And a lot of uh, UFC fights, if you think about it, the people that win the fight are the people that continue to pressure. A lot of people haven't seen it lately, but look at Justin Gaethje. What is the one thing he did before the Khabib fight? What yeah. was the one thing? is phenomenal for mm-hmm. pressure pressure yeah absolutely pressure and everyone knew that his pressure yeah. he was relentless he kept going but what happened when he finally fought somebody whose pressure was too much for him he threw yeah. slop like shit let's mm-hmm. face that terrible and he hit could with some hard shots but they weren't good shots they were sloppy they were un- unorthodox which is typically what he does but they were sloppier than what he usually does because he had a guy who was pushing forward nonstop. And so he was afraid of getting out grappled. And when he got taken down, he didn't even really do much to try to get back up. He just thought like, fuck, what do I do? Because he's never been pressured like that before. So in my fights, when I'm pressuring people, it's the same thing for them. They're used to pressuring people. But what happens when you finally face somebody who doesn't back down? And so for me, I'm not going to back up. And if I do back up, it's to turn corner and re-pressure. But my think game is – and. Everyone finally, you know, saw it on live television against Matt Dixon. What is the one thing I did? Pressure. Yeah. Even when he's on the cage, all right, I'm going to wear his arms down. I'm going to keep hitting him. Pressure. When we're off the cage, pressure. When I'm throwing, it's with malintent. I'm trying to hurt him. I'm not trying to be his friend and pitter-patter. I'm not trying to set up the knockout punch. Every single punch is the knockout punch. If I'm throwing a six-punch combo, all six punches have to have mean intent behind them. We're not, I'm not out there to spar. I'm out there to hurt them. After the fight, we can shake hands, be buddy-buddy. But going into the fight, we're not friends because they're out there trying to hurt me too. So a lot of people don't understand that. I remember uh, reading up somebody trying to say like, oh, Orion shouldn't have won that fight. His fight IQ is sloppy. He does, and I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, is this really a fucking couch potato? A guy who's never. In his life, trying to say a fighter doesn't understand fight IQ, which if I didn't have fight IQ, 
he would have kept taking me down in the second and third round. He would have just kept taking me down. I would have stood back up, but that's all he did. That's, that's the main thing that he had in the entire fight was three takedowns. After that, it was nothing. The stand-up was all mine. Third round was just domination by me. And that's how it is with other fights, you know, covering up fine. He landed a few good punches, but they never hurt. And that's why I was able to keep pressuring. And a lot of people don't realize if you're used to that style of pressure in the gym, if you can train yourself to nonstop be a pressure fighter, uh, Munoz, they had a little clip of him talking about, you know, training with me in the gym. He said, he's like a fucking tank. (laughs) You got to move around him. But even then he's just on you and it's hard. You have to slip angles. And uh, that, that's the way more fighters should be, that pressure style. That is a great style to have. And when it comes to counterfighters, if, you know, he wants to be a counterfighter this coming fight or if there's ever a time where I'm going to start fighting counterfighters, easiest way to fight a counterfighter, get them to come to the fight. Mm-hmm. Counterfighters want you to chase. They want a pressure fighter to keep chasing. But look how boring that Yul Romero versus Israel Adesanya fight oh. was. Oh, man. Yeah. Romero. But he's a pressure fighter who knew that if he were to pressure, he would get outstruck mm-hmm. and outangled. So what did he do? He just stayed, yeah. turned nice and slow. Yeah. And Israel Adesanya, he got upset because he felt like Yol wasn't trying to do anything. But now here's the problem with the counterfighter. What happens when the counterfighter doesn't do anything? They look boring too. And that's yeah. what you have. Counterfighter doesn't want to fight. They just want to keep the distance. Mm-hmm. People start to realize if you draw them in, they don't have anything just like a pressure fighter. If you can get a pressure fighter to commit to the counter fighters game plan, they're going to get pulled into a sucker's game. When you have two pressure fighters, it's about who breaks first. When you have two counter fighters, it's who can pull who first. Mm-hmm. But when you have the differences, when you have a pressure fighter who can play the counter by changing angles, and that's what I do. I'll, I'll pressure, change the angle, then go. And I'll, I'll pressure with the striking, pressure with the wrestling, back to the striking, change the angle, and keep going. That right there, just a different IQ in general, that's a blend of mixed martial arts. And that's what more fighters need to do is once they finally learn how to not only be one style of fighting, but be every style of fighting, and then that's how they evolve. Yeah, and, and thanks for breaking down the 185-pound division in the UFC. That was some... Great insight. That's exactly what's been going on. It'll be really interesting to see what happens when Whitaker gets back there for Adesanya because obviously he got, you know, kind of left himself exposed and got caught pressuring. But clearly the Costa fight, everybody was all excited about Costa because it was knockout power. But that's a ready-made fight for Izzy because a guy that is going to come forward recklessly is not much of a challenge for Izzy because of how Izzy counterstrikes. Um so that's, so that's very, you know, that was great insight on the 185-pound um, division and really probably all the divisions. When you were talking about a well-rounded uh, fighter that's kind of the whole deal, obviously for many years it was Tony Ferguson um, because he probably was one of those guys that was really doing a bit of everything, wrestling, striking, um, jiu-jitsu. But then, as you pointed out, um, by name, Justin Gaethje took that all apart just by being – uh, more dominant, more pressure, despite the fact that going into that, who did you see? I know we're going back, but who did you see as having the edge going into that Gaethje-Tony fight? Because I think that's the best fight of showing how Gaethje's pressure dismantled probably the best well-rounded guy at 55. I said unless Ferguson uses his grappling, he was going to get his ass whooped. I I told everybody that was my friends, family, because they were yeah. like, I told them, Gaethje. 
tell them Gates yeah. will win this fight. He may finish it late, but or it may go to decision. But mm-hmm. after this fight, if Ferguson doesn't try to out grapple Gates there's no way he's gonna break him because Ferguson, he he's unorthodox, and I'm not gonna shit on Ferguson. He, he you know he's one of the top in the sport at 55. Oh, what he's done is amazing, and it's because his awkward unorthodox style. But that's the difference. Like we were talking about mixing and blending different martial arts to make it fit your style. We've seen videos of Ferguson doing some weird ass training sessions, oh, yeah. but it and it does work for him. He's a little crazy. That guy's crazy, and I love it. I <laughs> love it. It's awesome. But Gates, she knew going in, if he kept his hands up, he moved his head off the center line, and he threw bombs, he would hurt Ferguson. And I was telling people that. I was like, he'll outbox Ferguson. Ferguson is able to outbox people because they get tired. Gates, he's not going to get tired this fight. He'll calm it down. His corner will help him calm it down. When he got beat, uh, when he got beat by Poirier, he was winning that fight, but what happened? He kept throwing sloppy punches afterwards, trying to get the finish where right. he could have decision to win the fight. Mm-hmm. That that's one of those fights where we we've talked about that too. And then he learned how to settle down during the Ferguson fight. He was he was about to blow his load in the fourth, and his coach oh. told him, "Get the fuck down." He's all, "Look at me." He's all, "No, you don't go out there trying to throw bombs." He's all, "Just set it up." Just set it up. Look out. And then the uh, Imanari rules. In the fifth round, he's all, look out for the Imanari rules. That's, he's going to go for grappling now. But if Ferguson would have used that awkward style of fighting right off the bat and forced the grappling exchanges on the ground, I think we would have seen a different result. I think we would have seen Ferguson getting a submission win rather than what happened in that fight. Yeah. Um, yeah versus Khabib. Khabib outpressured him. Khabib already knew that he wasn't going to have the same amount of striking. All he had to do was get inside the pocket and make Poirier worried about the clinch. Yeah. And that everyone in any fight has already said, going into the fight, if he gets me against the cage or if he takes me down, then I, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. But there's that mindset. They already believe that if they get grabbed, if they get taken down, they're, they're fucked. They don't move. We've seen it with every fight. Mm-hmm. Um, one fight that I do – like was Khabib. I don't, it was a fight where Khabib won, but he went for like 18 takedowns and he got all of them stuffed. Can't remember who he fought. Was it the Iaquina when they were, because Iaquina did pretty well in that last minute title fight. It went to a decision with Iaquina. Iaquina still got beat up. So he got taken down and out grappled and mauled for the first couple of rounds and then yeah. because he wore down his arms. It was a fight from a couple of years back. Uh-huh. He, not able to Hilo where he missed like Khabib missed weight by three and a half pounds. Um, it was another fight though. Like a lot of people thought he should have lost that fight. And even Joe Rogan thought that Khabib lost that fight, but he ended up winning by decision, but he had all of his takedowns stuffed. And then after the fight, everyone found out like his opponent was like pot for steroids. Oh, so then, oh well yeah, then he didn't lose. He didn't lose because the guy got popped, mm-hmm. but that guy went into the fight saying he's not going to take me down. He won't take me down versus everyone else he's fought. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just can't let him take me down. If he takes me down, it's going to be a tough fight. Mm-hmm. Like even McGregor said it. He's all, if he does yeah. take me, I'll do my best to get back up, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to try to keep the fight standing. No, you, you just, you have to believe that you can get back up. You got to believe you can throw some shots off the bottom to get back up. You can't just lay on the ground against a guy who's a grappler. And that's the problem. A lot of fighters nowadays, they, they go into these fights saying like, 
oh man, like if I can't get this guy down, you know, I'm going to have a hard time with the standup. And it's like, then work on your damn standup and work on your damn mentality. And one other thing is like, even with COVID too many big name fighters turning down fights right now, they need to start stepping up or else us guys who are no names right now. I'm a no name. My brother's a no name, but we're going to start climbing those ranks fast. You know, uh, uh, Kamayev, Kamayev came into the UFC. Now everyone's complaining about how he's asking for upper level names, but isn't that the point of the game to fight the best to prove you're the best? Sure. Yeah. So I heard about it. People are saying, oh, there's a ranking system. You got to fight to your rank. And it's like, no, you don't. Look at Chris Weidman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He never ranked. And he went out there and he did what? He chin-checked Anderson Silva. That's it. Yeah. Because Chris Weidman truly believed in himself. Mm-hmm. He didn't think he needed to fight seven times, ten times to earn a title shot. Yeah, it was he nine fought- in a row total. Yeah. Chris Weidman. Everyone was scared. And so he's like, dude, I want to fight the top people. Like, I'll, fight, I'll fight the champion. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And he fought for a low pay versus what Anderson made. But because he won that fight, he was able to restructure his contract, get a bigger pay. And I'm down to do that. I'm fight for a low pay against a top guy to restructure and get a big payday. Mm-hmm. And my plan is to get exciting finishes and just have fun while I'm in there. Put on an exciting you know, show for the fans and get a finish and fuck the judges. After every fight, I'll say fuck the judges. <laughs> well, as you said, the Kosi brothers – both you and Lewis have a really great opportunity, as did Chemaev, of yep. there's more eyeballs on the UFC right now. Obviously, football's back, but there's still a lot of things that aren't going on. Um, and I think there's more eyeballs on the UFC right now. And people like Chemaev or you guys can really take advantage of some of the bigger names sitting out or being delayed or whatever it is. And obviously, when it comes down to it is – uh, finishing fight solves a lot of the problems. Whether, matter what people say, finishing fights. Jumping back to a comment you made about Tony, you said Tony Ferguson over the years has put up some pretty bizarre videos, but I wanted to bring up the video of a couple of days ago on Facebook you posted of two guys kicking you in the chest for training. You mentioned it. Um, how often do you do uh, body hardening, I guess is what some people might call it. How often do you do those type of drills? Pretty much almost every day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not, not your chin. Yeah. It's your body. Your yeah. body should be able to take that. But I wouldn't recommend doing that to your chin or to your head. Like, that's what sparring is for. But even then, in sparring, you should be hands are up here. And if you can protect your body, I mean, every fight I've been in, no one's ever hurt me with a body shot. When I'm at sparring, I don't get hurt with body shots. And mm-hmm. that's some of the training I do to help with that. I strengthen my core. I may not look like the most ripped out person in the world, but don't have to be. I go out there, I hurt people, and my core is going to be a lot stronger than most people that do look like they're strong. I don't get hurt when I, or I you know, I'll take leg kits, I'll take body kits. I don't give a shit, but that's inspiring. I can do that. And then there are rounds where, you know, maybe uh, you run a couple of other coaches, but hey, Ryan, we like that you're doing that to toughen yourself but now we want you to start moving this round. We want to see you in this round of sparring, do something a little different, uh, take less damage as if it's a natural fight. And then I'll, I'll do that. But some of the rounds I'll be like, all right, I'm going to let them throw some shots. I want them to throw heavy. That way I can take it during camp because if I'm in a fight, you're not going to be able to block every punch. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's that one shot that gets through, but if you can 
harden your body just in time. If your body can start doing that by itself, it's um, instinctual training. Sure. I do. Everything I do is instinctual training. I'm getting myself ready no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're born with instincts. They say if you put a baby back like this in water in the first couple of weeks of their birth, they'll swim instinctively. We, we're born with instincts and you're bringing up instincts that will, your body wants to protect itself. Your body wants um, to stay safe, you know? Um, when you when you think about, when, when you think about what you, your comments on how you look, and obviously you're a professional athlete, you look great, but you're not a physique model. You're not an underwear model. And sometimes you get guys that come to UFC that legitimately do look like underwear models, but you're a fighter. So really it comes down to uh, what your body can do in a fight over what it looks like. And obviously you get, you have that going for you pretty strong. Um, what? Like, do you guys remember uh, Roy Nelson? Yeah, of course. Big country Roy Nelson. I heard for a heavyweight, he was like one of the fastest and most explosive heavyweights there was. And that's why he was able to do what he was able to do. A lot of people didn't like thought he just had a big old fat gut. But what a lot of people didn't realize was whoever actually really hurt him with body shots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, nothing against Matt Dixon, but every time I threw a knee to his body, I don't think he really liked it. You know, Matt yeah. is a uh, he was a very uh, physique guy. Like he, he he looked good. He looked like one of those model type guys. He looked mm -hmm. like the model athlete. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like I put myself through certain types of training versus all my opponents I fought versus future opponents and even like my training partners. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So fucking crazy. And I'm like, no, this is good for you. This is that old school shit. We're going to do this and you're going to do this after, and you're going to do this afterwards too. And they're like, what the fuck? But it's good. People need it. You know, it's not your chin. It's your body. It's your legs. If you can toughen up your body in order to take that into a fight, instinctually, you'll be able to handle it. Sure. Yeah. It also shows that um, if you follow the NFL, they're talking a lot about Tom Brady bringing his culture to Tampa, you know, the culture about, it's team winning. It's not about your records. It's not about uh, you getting, you know, um, the number of catches. But it sounds like you're having, obviously, Uriah Faber's a legendary Hall of Famer. He already has a great gym. But it sounds like your style and your attitude is sort of influencing the gym. What's it like to see that influence that your attitude and style of approach has on other fighters around you? Um, I, I just think that's the kind of person I am. I, I don't think I'm trying to, I'm not even trying to influence people. I'm not trying to be a role model for anybody. I tell people all the time when they say like their kids look up to me, I'm like, awesome. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to go and impress people. I'm going to be myself. Um, you know, like when I fight, I don't, I don't fight for the fans. I fight for myself. <laughs> I'm not trying to finish the fight for the fans. It will be exciting because that's just who I am. I want to finish the fight. I don't want somebody else to say, Hey, it was a great fight. We think this person won because of this. And I'm just like, that's boring. You're boring. I, I just want to go out and finish. I want to be myself. I'm never going to censor myself. If somebody asks me, hey, we don't want you to talk about this. I'm going to tell them if that's something I talk about, then fuck off. That's what I talk about. And that's just how I'm always going to be. You know, I'm going to have my opinion on something. Somebody's going to have their opinion on something. At the end of the day, we can either respect each other or just decide, you know, agree to disagree. Everyone has the right to 
their own opinions. Some people are just wrong. <laughs> and uh, that's just the way life goes. So, but I will say this, uh, I do got to get going. I actually have uh, a little bit of stuff to do tonight. I got to get ready for early morning. Um, do you have any more questions though? If you do, we can answer them. I just thought about like three more minutes, four more minutes. That's about it though. Okay. My last question is more of you as a fan. There's two flyweight title fights that card you're fighting on UFC 255, the women's flyweight and the men's flyweight. Which one do you think is going to be more exciting for you to see as a fan? Valentina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. You've been listening to Orion, the Galaxy, Kosi. Orion, thanks so much. Good luck to you um, in November, UFC 255. Yeah, I'll talk to you again right after.